one year ago, I launched a podcast that would change the internet forever. Change could be addition, subtraction, or alteration. My podcast was up on the internet and therefore did change the internet forever. This is not an outlandish claim. Welcome to the beginning of year two of One on Rob Green's Earth. I'm your host. I'll give you three guesses what my name is. First two don't count. I can't actually hear you. Don't yell at your uh, podcast machine, whatever it may be. So in some of the episodes leading up to this, I've kind of made reference to my work as a security guy which is something that's kind of near and dear to my heart. So I thought it would be good to maybe go into that a little bit deeper. And what better way to start off the year strong than to bring on someone who can offer a little bit more insight into that area of my life and beyond, really. He's been a friend, a mentor, a leader. He's someone I can sit down and have a beer and shoot the shit with. He's also someone who's put me in harm's way more times than I can count. So I'd like to introduce you to a man I've come to know pretty well over the past decade. He's uh, he's an employer of mine, so I'm going to play nice. <laughs> Ken McDonald, Ken, introduce yourself. Hello, hello. Yeah, it's been a while. We were we were supposed to be doing this. I mean, we had a conversation about doing this a long time ago, and we just kind of kept missing each other. Yeah, well, you're a busy guy. Well, I mean, definitely busy doing different things these days. Yeah. Uh, not not the same kind of stuff that uh, that I suppose we're going to be discussing, but. Uh, you know, doing our best with this whole crazy world we're living in now. Yeah. Tell, tell everybody what you do in a nice professional manner. In a nice professional manner, and we're allowed and we're allowed to curse occasionally. Is that how this works? Uh yes. On occasion, we have been known to break out the expletives. Okay, thank God, because I have issues with it. There'd be a lot of bleeps in your show. <laughs> um, well, I am the president and CEO of um, Shadow Group, parent company to Shadow Security. Um, of of course, we do. We have many facets, including. Um, Bailiff, civil enforcement, uh, private investigation, all that stuff. But uh, our main bread and butter, which started uh, a little over 20 years ago, would be uh, entertainment-related security. That's everything from, as you know, festivals to concerts to award shows to red carpets to tour security. You know, the venues themselves, which provide the events, all that, all that sort of fun stuff. So if you're ever watching a cool event in TV and wonder why nobody's jumped out and attacked someone... Because of us. <laughs> yeah, that or no hiding behind the cameras. <laughs> That's one of the few things production companies will say to you. Just unless something really bad happens, try your best to stay out of the way. So now it's one of those things where 20 years later, if you watch a show, you learn to pick it out. So you're like, oh, that guy sucks. Look at him. There he is. There he is. He sucks. Do you want to give people a little bit of a rundown of some events we've done? My goodness. what are they? It, It's funny because you get asked this a lot. And as far as, especially in the East Coast of Canada, it's hard to think of one that you didn't. And I know there are, of course. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it becomes such a blend that you're kind of looking for one that's interesting that you could kind of throw out there. And it's just like, oh my gosh, I don't know. I mean, it could be everything from, I mean, you know, we've done shows with with uh, Guns N' Roses, with Motley Crue, uh, 50 Cent, Akon, Rihanna, U2. Pretty much, I mean, if, if it rolled down this end of the world, chances are we were involved on some level. It's hard really to think of one that we, we didn't do. I don't know, what ones stick out in your mind? For me personally, the ones that I've been to, uh, mm-hmm. we did, Bob Seger was a good one for me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Black Legend. Sabbath was some good times. Yeah, Black Sabbath, yes, we did, uh, yeah, we, we did the, we, sorry, we did the venue security and uh, some supplementing traveling security for mm-hmm. Black Sabbath and, uh, of course, Ozzy when he was doing his, 
his solo stuff. I think uh, it's funny because a lot of people sometimes wonder how you end up doing various facets of it, right? So the, the, the most simple way I try to explain it to people is there's different ways to be involved in that type of security. You could be hired specifically by the artist, either by them personally or through their management, or through, say, a record label, which has happened with us before, or the production company could hire you directly. For instance, a production company that's really huge could buy a section of a tour, could buy, say, if they're going out for 50 dates, buy 25 of those dates. Well, we've been lucky enough, especially in Canada, that we've created a really, really great reputation from busting our ass with uh, with these production companies. So a couple of these higher level execs in particular, a couple who are near and dear to my heart, uh, would recommend us specifically and would just say, look, I'm sure that your people might have someone with them, but I don't know anybody involved in this particular tour, so I'm going to bring some people who are going to give your guys a hand. And it's just basically like, I don't know any of these guys. I'm not 100% sure how... They operate, but I know how you operate, and you operate the way I see it. So you know, and and that's a majority of the tour stuff that we did was was being hired through the production companies. Just better the devil you know than the devil that's you don't, right? Right. Yes, devil indeed, devil indeed. So what I did there was bait you into name dropping, so we could point out that we're a big deal because I didn't want to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because it's like it's like you don't really. Uh, like I said, it's it's not to sound cliche here, but after so many years, it just becomes, it's just kind of like a job. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I've had instances where I've heard someone on the radio and I've said, oh God, that's a really cool song. Who is that? And someone in the car said, so-and-so. And I'd be like, I'd love to work with them one day. And someone said, Kent, you did work with them. <laughs> and I'd be like, get out of here. And they'd be like, no, and remember blah, blah, blah in this venue. And I'd be like, oh shit, I did. I had no idea. Well, this new song is great. <laughs> you know, like I just, it completely, it just starts to, you know, you, you just kind of look at it more logistically. Someone says, okay, we're going to do a festival. Immediately you're thinking, okay, so how many man hours are we done with this one? How many vehicles? How many? Not to say that it's still not a well, fun gig and interesting and stuff, but hmm. the, the, the high intensity novelty... Yeah. You know, not to sound bad, but you know, it can, yeah. it can wear off after a while. It's the between hours that I found... Where you started noticing the difference, like I remember yeah. you had me going pretty steady one summer at the beginning of the summer, mm-hmm. I was excited for every event I was going to, and yeah. then by the end of it I was like, alright, I'm going to be on the road for four hours, an hour yeah. to check the <laughs> oh, fuck's sake. Okay. that's I, what happens, right? Yeah. That's what happens. Oh my gosh. I remember one time, I had just finished a show, and I don't even believe it was on the tour that I was starting on the next day. And one of my dear friends who, who uh, had, had started Shadow was driving one of the production people to, the, to that particular city. And they wanted, uh, the, the head of production for that event wanted him and myself to go to these next few events because he wasn't sure who the security was with this particular artist. I mean, it was a fair size artist. It was Lenny Kravitz. Mm-hmm. So um, I had just finished whatever show I was at before. And it was in Halifax. So I'm like, I get to sleep in my own bed tonight. So I went and I got in bed and the phone rings. And it's probably at this point, God, it'd be anywhere between 2.30 and say 3 in the morning. And I answer the phone, it's Jay. He says, hey, man. I says, hey. And he goes, so you just finished up? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I just finished up. He goes, how early uh, can you start work for the next gig? And I'm like, I don't know, man. How early would you need me? He's like, uh, now. Wherever he was, he had, he had a Porsche with him. Keep in mind, this is Nova Scotia. I'm talking late winter, early spring. (laughs) 
So this production assistant, who's a dear friend of ours, says, you know, I'd love to get a lift with you, Jay. And he's like, cool. Thinks it'd be a great idea just to go in the Porsche. So they have a blowout in the, on an off-ramp somewhere between here and I think the border to Brunswick. Oh. So now they're on the side of the road. It's got to be 2.30 in the morning. I literally get up out of bed, drive there, find them, put them in the car, drive to the hotel. Like, granted, for most shows, you go in for load-in. That's when everybody sets the stage up and yada, yada. As you know, the trucks and everything show up. Inside lingo. Yes. And, <laughs> uh, and but, but catering normally provides breakfast, dinner, supper. For They do one for the crew and one for the artist and their staff and so on and so forth. So we get there, and the head of production is just getting out of his hotel room as we check into that hotel. And he goes, okay, we're heading to the venue. You coming? And uh, Marie says, well, I'm going to go in with, with Rick now. Uh, you guys, it's okay if you guys go lay down for a minute. And Jay's kind of like, no, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm just like, oh, Jesus, no, just let me, <laughs> please, I just need to lay down for a minute. So we did. We got to actually go in and lay down until uh, probably about noon. Not even, maybe about 10, 30, 11, get up. But, of course, that's the nature of the business. So as long as you get about two hours, you're yeah, good. Yeah. You're good. Yeah. You become accustomed to it or you have some kind of psychotic breakdown. But Or both. Yeah. yeah. Which is normally the case. Yeah, I say I've learned to function on three hours sleep for the last 20 years. I'm not quite sure what it's done to me. Um, depends on who you ask, but yeah. I can remember being so happy just to walk into my house and just, I'm going to go lay down, clean my stuff up, and have a nice nap. And I didn't even get my bag put in the laundry room. And my phone rang. It's like, hey, buddy, something's come up. We need you. It's like, is there anyone else you can get me to call? I'm like, Kent said call you. I don't know if you actually did or they just knew that I'd respond. All right. It's like, do do I got time to wash my shit? Do you not have more shit? I was like, no. Coffee, make friends with it. Yeah. <laughs> Driving there with like the car air freshers, like I hope I can Oh stay. yeah. <laughs> Man, those days especially the, the the really, really busy summers where you weren't doing necessarily tour stuff as much as you were doing you were touring, but it was for festivals. Mm-hmm. So as you know, you've, like, you're covered in dirt when it's over, dirt and dust and grass and, you know, you're just like, oh my God, you're in the car heading back to, you know, where you're driving to the next spot and you're going, holy shit, I hope the next place has laundry because <laughs> I, I look horrible. I look like pig pen from Peanuts. Yeah. I remember getting to a spot and then somebody just walking over to me with a bottle of water and like a granola bar and they said, you look like you need this. Oh, yeah. yeah. We I mean, we got to a point a few years in where like we would show up with trunk loads of it and we were like, especially, especially if it was a festival and you had to do like, you had to bring a lot of staff because some of the staff, it was old hat for them, but some of the staff, you know, had never done, done a festival where you're there from the crack of dawn until middle of the night and they would be standing there going, holy shit. I never knew it was like this. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. And I'm looking at whoever going, okay, so and so go to the trunk. He needs someone to go to the trunk right yeah. now. And you're pulling energy drinks and bottles of water and granola bars and protein bars and you're running around like a chicken, your head cut off. They're like, oh God, thank you. And it took me a couple of years to realize that. And then a couple of years after that, now I'm providing bug spray and sunscreen. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, everybody's going to need this at some point. Oh my God. <laughs> so I've been so busy. Like, We've had events here where we've had a lot of new people, mm-hmm. and you're just so busy where it's a small enough event where I'm the only supervisor, Yeah, but there's enough people that I'm busy as right. hell, yeah. and then Absolutely. people just coming behind me, spraying me with bug spray, <laughs> like, you need this, I'm like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> yeah, exactly, you don't even have time to stop, you're just like, hit me! Yeah. They're right there. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know those days, my friend. Yeah. And find at events, too, you become... 
involved with some things more so than security because you'll get new people that are helping run the event that don't know and like hey uh, you work a lot of events right in your mm-hmm. opinion what does what yeah oh absolutely that? absolutely and you know it's obviously as part of our you know company culture i mean we include it in the training in the initial orientation package with the one day orientation you know before they start the other stuff but um we talk about that as part of the culture it's like Okay, if you need help, I would rather you feel dumb asking somebody than just flying off the cuff and just going, well, I just winged it. You certainly did, son. <laughs> um, so, you know, you end up with, uh, yeah, you end up with some guys and, cool. and girls. And you're like, by the end of it, you're just like, whew, I've spent half the day just answering questions. I always start off for a little pre-deployments with mm-hmm. just so you know i am gonna razz you about some stupid questions <laughs> but absolutely ask me the stupid questions absolutely even if I'm, you see me making fun of somebody else for the stupid <laughs> question. absolutely do not take it 100 percent seriously we've got pretty thick skin working working in this oh business oh my gosh i think we've always maintained the same type of culture but i mean in the in the wow, way back in the days like, you know, very late 90s, early 2000s. I mean, it was like the wild, wild west. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, I mean, you needed, a, you needed a crew with you that could just, could do what they had to do when they had to do it. And I think that, that we were lucky enough that we had guys that were really good at what they did, but could also deal with those situations. So it kind of, it kind of grew from there. But, I mean, there are things today, oh my gosh, that some of the boys would torture. And I'd be like... There'd be nobody today left. <laughs> like, torture each other. Like, the first 10, 20 of us? Oh, my God. It was just... You weren't concerned about half the stuff <laughs> happening in that show is what was going to happen after three beer back in the hotel. Be like, oh, God, who am I paired with? Oh, you were so upset. Like, oh, shit. When I came in... It's about 10 years now. Yeah. Over 10 years I've been yeah. with you. Jesus yeah. Christ. Um, I know. I know. You feel old yet? Yeah. I, I feel real old. Really so, old. yeah. Welcome to the good. club. But I'm actually, I was told I was part of the Grumpy Old Man Club a couple of years back. <laughs> I was like, I'm in that now? I'm like, yeah, you're in there now. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. I mean, like, like we were discussing earlier, we reached that point where mm. all of a sudden, because um, of course, another facet of what Shadow does is provide doormen to clubs and pubs and bars around the Maritimes, as you know. Mm. And there are sometimes I walk in and, and, you know, the guy's like, hey, boss. And you walk in, and you're like, hey, man, you're walking by the lineup and you're like, everyone. Here looks twelve. Yeah, everyone looks twelve. Half the people working for you look twelve. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's just like, oh my gosh, you see them filling out paperwork in the office. I'm looking at the boys. I'll be, you know, looking at Nate. Going, are they old enough to be in here? Like, oh yeah, no, they're good. They're twenty three. I'm like twenty. What? Fuck. Yeah. 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 Came along around the time when you still had that crew of uh, deputized gunslingers, like in the old west. Oh kind of deal, like, my you know gosh! I mean? Yeah, the crew was, chiefs, the crew chiefs. Yeah, I came, the, we still had some of the ruffians, and then yeah. so I've got to be here throughout the transition. <laughs> and it's hard just to think like now how if someone's having an issue, how I sit down and talk with them, and mm-hmm. obviously you treat people respectfully. Of course, you know? of course. there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But I can remember after events around when I first started having mm-hmm. shouting matches and saying the most hateful shit to oh, the people yeah. that I was working with. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then everyone being kind of nervous. And then after the event's done, we'd be said, brief, let's wow. go have a beer now. Like we were, it was just, that's the way we talked. Like. Exactly, exactly. No, it was. And I think a lot of those guys are still kicking around it. You know, I always say we're like, it's kind of like the mob. You're never really out. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, a lot of the guys that haven't, you know, they might do one, two shows a year, but they still renew their license every year. And, yeah. and uh, yeah, it was, I mean, you know, it was a different time way back then. Like it was, a, it was also, it, it was, it was a whole different vibe, not just with the, 
not just with the way the crowd reacted to entertainment and the entertainment itself, various genres and whatnot, but just it was just a different time. Like we were a very specialized market at mm-hmm. the time, right? There wasn't a lot of people. There might be companies who specialize in other things, and God love them all, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, some might do parking meters, some might do parking garages, some might do hospitals, whatever the case may be. But that was what we did. Yeah. You know, so so they kind of did their thing and we kind of did ours. And then I think what happens over time, it's like anything else. People see it done, mm-hmm. especially people that, that, that are very, that have always been fascinated and interested in it. And they go, I think I can do that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you see some other name pop up and they're wearing black and they're showing up <laughs> places and you're going, oh my God, you have no idea what went into doing this. You know, you don't just show up in black and it just doesn't really work that way, you know, or you'll get like the odd company that maybe doesn't do uh, that type of security that will decide they want to give it a try and then they just realize it's a completely different animal, which it is. It's a completely different animal. You know, um, uh, of course, a lot of these guys in their training, they're dealing with things like verbal de-escalation. And, but I mean, verbal de-escalation with somebody trying to, you know, get their ticket out of a machine that's very ticked off and you come down you're, is a lot mm-hmm. different than a mosh pit yeah. with 8,000 drunk people that have now turned on you because you're trying to push them back so some person that fell doesn't get stomped. Yeah. And, you know, it's a whole different ball game. Just verbally de-escalate this guy <laughs> that's been doing coke for the past three hours. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He hasn't yep. slept in four days. He will listen to you for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Please put the spikes down. Once he grasps what you're there to do, which is ruin his good time. Yeah, that's right. He's not so inclined to talk to you anymore. Absolutely. Hey, man, until you have that conversation. Exactly. And that's when the negotiation phase begins. And we've worked events in conjunction with other companies where Mm -hmm. we've needed big staff. Mm -hmm. And I've seen those guys when something's just going to hell and they're looking over. It's like... Hey. Yeah, I know. We're friends, right? Yeah. Well, we're all working together. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, it was I remember one in particular. It was a massive massive outdoor show. It involved uh, a couple of companies, I think us and two more were hired. And one of the senior staff of one of the other particular companies had overheard a briefing I was doing. And we have very particular, as you know, radio calls that we make for yeah. And decided with the three seconds that he had heard was going to go and brief his staff with the same radio calls. If, if you're oh. going to try it. Now, granted, I probably would have razzed you anyway, but at least come and ask specifically what they are. Mm-hmm. So he kind of winged it. So we get a radio call that is an all-hands-on-deck radio call. We clear the pit. We're pushing through a crowd of, I think there might have been seventy or 80,000. We get to the beer tent. We literally jump over that railing because we can't find the entrance. And there's the gentleman, and he's having words with some dude who's walking away, giving the finger. And I was like, where's the fire? And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, did you make that radio call? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, why? And he's just like, well, that guy wanted to leave this beer. And I told him he couldn't. He told him to go fuck myself. And I'm like, okay, uh, can you do me a favor? You have a radio, yeah? He's like, yeah. I'm like, can you radio your supervisor? You radioed him and he came over, gently unclipped Uh, his radio and handed it to the supervisor and said, never give that to him again. (laughs) Because it was like it was like a radio call that I'm being killed like that, that, that calls, you know, it was, yeah. I remember starting out and just having a bit of fun on the radios. Yeah. And not thinking about why guys were getting so fucking irritated. <laughs> and then the day came where you guys were like, okay, you're in charge of this now. Go with it. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm just like, Jesus fucking Christ, can you guys stay off the fucking radio? <laughs> 
That's it. Yeah. It's it. You got to go through all the basics. See, that's why that's why our, our phase one of the training, mm. like the level one, is so rudimentary. It's for that exact reason. People say, oh, are you going to grade me on the quiz? Because I always give a pop quiz at the end. It's like, no, I'm not grading you. I'm literally, mm. it, it's yes or no, true or false. I just want to know if you were paying attention. Yeah. Because you'd be shocked at the, the simplest, stupidest little, you know, like radio protocol. Next thing you know, you got some guy and just like, you know, step one. Think about what you want to say. I'm like, what would step one be? And they're like, well, I guess you just talk into the mic. It's like, no, that's step three. <laughs> step one is what do you want to say? Because if you don't know what you want to say, how the hell do I know? Step two, press the mic. Press the button, the little trigger on the side. Count to one in your head. <laughs> Out loud is fine. You might get razzed by some people. I won't because I've heard it a billion times. But it just takes a sec sometimes for the mic to key up. Yeah. Then say what you got to say after you've thought about it and press the button. Because <laughs> sometimes you're like, you get you know, these guys, like a brawl breaks out and they panic and they press the mic and they're and they're holding it. Like, because step four, of course, is don't push it against your mouth. You sound like the drive, you know, the yeah. drive through McDonald's. <laughs> and uh, you're just like, what are you saying? And there'll be times when you hear afterwards, <laughs> if it's not me, it'll be one of the other senior guys. There'll be dead air silence for about 13 seconds, not even, say three seconds. And then you'll hear the mic key up again and be like, it'll be one of the guys going, okay, take a breath. <laughs> now, who are you? Where are you at? And please say what's happening really slowly. Oh my gosh. It's one of my bigger pet peeves, especially like when you've gone over it. Like I go over it so detailed before yeah. every event. Yeah. I remember once, every we just had a hectic night. Mm -hmm. We got everything taken care of. Yeah. But it's just this accumulation of taking care of everything wears on you. I got it. And one of our lesser experienced guys who I told about the mic like to his face like three times I said stop doing that mm -hmm. just just talk normally like yeah and he has something happening it wasn't that big a deal but he's panicked so he's got the mic in front of him so he's like <laughs> and I can see him like I've got a yeah. line of sight on him I said pull the mic away from your face mm -hmm. and, and speak normally but he's panicked and he just goes again he's like yeah. they look pretty easy. like the fourth time I just like I lost my cool I said for fuck's sake <laughs> It's a radio, not a dick. Take yeah. it your mouth and talk fucking normally. And then he said it, and I was like, that's better. And mm -hmm. the the other guard that was with me is just kind of staring at me. And I said, what? Mm -hmm. She says, you do realize we gave radios to all the other people from the event in town. <laughs> so that they could get a hold of us if we needed. And I was like, yeah. I'm going to go apologize. <laughs> and I walk into the HQ and they all start laughing. Oh, yeah. And one oh, of the yeah. girls that was from the ticket company was like, I was thinking the exact same thing. You're fine. Oh, my God. That's so funny. That's so funny. Yes, yes. Yeah. Normally, normally we'll key them up on a different channel, but that's happened before. Yeah. Where it's like everybody's on the same channel and mm -hmm. someone will say, you know. That's where, yeah, because we even have call signs for, as you know, mm -hmm. for going to the bathroom. Yeah. Because I'll tell you, we've I've, I've been backstage at a show and had someone come up with a very, very colorful few phrases about, uh, you know, their bathroom experience mm -hmm. while the client's just sitting there looking mortified like a deer in headlights. <laughs> like, oh, no. And then I bore down and I pressed against the walls and I was praying to Jesus, you know, and he's just like, oh, please stop. <laughs> Stop. We don't encourage use of your cell phones while you're working, but mm -hmm. just text that shit. To yeah, that's right. <laughs> just, can you use like emojis and stuff if you need it, to? Exactly, exactly. Now you're hearing the power of Christ compels you and everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and the clients are going, what the fuck are they? Yeah. So how, how did you get into it anyway? Oh, God. It, you know what? It's, it's, it's a weird story more so than interesting. When I, as a kid growing up, 
I was never ever that guy, not even remotely. In fact, I was a pretty sickly little runt for a long time. I got into, you know, whether it be boxing or martial arts, whatever, you know, it was recommended actually by, by a lung specialist I went to. And I think it was because as a kid, I was, oh my gosh, I was tortured. You know, when I was very young, hmm. I ended up making a really good group of friends later on in life. And of course, you know, but, but at a very young age, yeah, I was, I was in the hospital when the school I went to in the very small town in rural Cape Breton closed down and another school opened, well, another school, sorry, they, they took all the students. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was not a warm welcome for me. Let me tell you. Uh, a lot of my buddies that went to that first school had already made friends, and of course, you know, when you're that young, you don't want to have to jump in and not and become the target yourself. So, oh my gosh, I was tortured. <laughs> so I remember, yeah, going in to see going in to see uh, the specialist, and I remember saying, "Well, maybe like a martial art or something, but you know, help with breathing and help with." I think mm. he just probably knew I was getting my ass handed to me. So you know, I went from one to the next to the next. It's funny. I never became overly proficient in any. I just, I just really liked taking them all. I think the reason was uh, growing up, but like I had like like three heroes when I was like eight years old or six or seven years old, and it was like my dad, Hulk Hogan, and Bruce Lee. Um, so <laughs> it's a combination. <laughs> it's exactly a combination. So yeah, I, I I couldn't understand at that age why after a few months of taking whatever, whether it be. Taekwondo or judo or whatever, I couldn't figure out at that young age because a lot of my friends played other sports that were more popular in rural Cape Breton, you know, hockey, baseball, soccer. Um, so this is a lot of stuff that I did on my own. And uh, I, don't, I dare say I don't even think a lot of my friends knew for a long time. But when I would go, within a few months, if I couldn't do like a 350 jumping, spinning drop kick and kick five guys at once, like Bruce Lee could do it under the dragon, I said, oh, this one don't work. And I'd move on to the next one. Uh, a good friend of mine used to make a joke about himself. He used to say, I am a professional yellow belt in every martial art in the world. And I'm like, me too. Um, Did you ever hit the big leg drop in anyone? Though? You know what? I tried once. <laughs> and uh, they, they asked me to leave Walmart. It was, it, was, it was right in the toy section. So then later, a little later in life, I'd say when I became, I don't know, maybe 15-ish, then I got into boxing. I loved that. Mm. And then um, I tried some other stuff, a little bit of wrestling, a little bit of kickboxing, but boxing I loved. And I just liked the group that was there. The guys were really cool. It was great exercise. Had a lot of fun. So fast forward, I still, you know, hung up with a great clique of guys in school and we all had a lot of fun and, and became a little bit notorious, but it was never me specifically. You know, there's a couple popular kids in, in my clique hmm. that got a lot of attention. I definitely was not one of them. I was more the guy that would jump in if they needed help, but I was never the guy to be that guy. But when I moved to Halifax in, in I think, 93, all my friends split and went to different universities. I was kind of, you know, in Halifax by myself. Ended up making friends with, with a guy who was from here and was really into physical training as well. Not just weights, but that type of, you know. Hmm. So we hit it off. In fact, I think I hit it off with his older brother first. And his older brother had a reputation for being a little bit of a loose cannon. But I loved him. He's like, this is like every guy I grew up with. <laughs> so, you know, we would go out and have fun and stuff. And then his younger brother, and they were only like a year apart. And we all started hanging out. And then they introduced me to their larger clique. And then we all started hanging out. And then um, because he enjoyed different, different arts and different disciplines, one of his buddies had a studio downtown uh, that was a martial arts studio. But he would let him borrow it. Mm -hmm. So we would invite all the guys down that he hung out with in the clique, which was super cool because some guys were multifaceted. Some guys were just judo guys. Some guys were just jiu-jitsu guys. Some guys were just boxers, so on and so forth. And we'd go down and just all mess around. And we became great buddies and great friends. And we would just go and try different stuff and learn different stuff. Go, that was really cool. How do you do that? Hmm. And that's when I think he and I especially became really hooked 
on the training aspect of it. And then he took off and, and got some really cool training overseas. And I don't want to speak for him and say the exact sequence of events that happened that got him to where he was. Mm-hmm. But after he finished that, he ended up hooking up with a guy who did security already for a production company out of Montreal. He met uh, the, the, uh, one of the production companies who took us under their wing and invited him to do some, some tour stuff. And then when he came back, I was graduating by this point from Dow and I was actually getting ready to law school. Hmm. And he was just like, dude, I'm just going to sound crazy. But we got this cool little niche market we can tap into. I know we can we can do it because now we now we have the in with these people as well as the training. I think it'd be and just like why don't you why don't we just try? And I was like, well, sure, okay. And I'd already done a few things for him because he was already trying to get the security aspect of it off the ground. So just, just random stuff. Yeah. And then that was it. We did it, and fuck, that was I don't know, 21, 22 years ago, and I don't know what happened. <laughs> Now I just wake up some days and go, oh, shit. Yeah. You mean I've been around for half the ride? Yeah, you've been around for for half the ride. In fact, one of the events that you supervised down here was, I think, the first quote-unquote... No, I guess it wouldn't be the first outdoor show. I maybe did one or two. But one of the first, I would say probably first, I don't know, five or ten that I did was the first year we did that. Oh. It was... um, That's how long we've been doing this. (laughs) Um, it's yeah, it doesn't seem that long now. No, 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 but we, we, but the cool part of what it was is it afforded us the opportunity through our job to go do other stuff that we always like to do anyway. Like uh, the entertainment industry stuff was cool, don't get me wrong, especially when you're in your 20s, it's fun. Oh, yeah, but um, but like we got the opportunity to go like do so much, so many more training camps and and tactical training camps and other and other certifications, whether it be DT or like uh, I mean, we, we you know, we did so so many awesome things you know we went and there was three of us that went and got um teaching certs um through through a, a, a company at the time called modern warrior and it was on it was a it was a compound based on long island new york and they would train um like police officers who wanted to upgrade to mm-hmm. other divisions and it was just straight up dt so defensive tactics yeah and i remember us showing up for the very, we sent our we sent our resumes with what we already had, and and God loved the owner, and he's like who was the super coolest cop in the world, and he looked like do you remember do you remember um, I think it was called NYPD Blue maybe yeah remember Sipowitz yeah looked just like him could have been his twin <laughs> but like was hard as nails his name was Phil Messina hard as nails like the sweetest man but like you did that like literally books written about him mm-hmm. like the coolest guy like could have been promoted at certain points and stayed a beat cop. Like to help the community and and like some of the stories that were told about him, like holy moly! Like one story, I don't I don't want to misquote it, but like like family locked in the bathroom, dad was on drugs, going crazy, walked in. This might have been the early seventies. Like literally took a machete through the shoulder down halfway into his chest plate. Literally had still had to fight the guy off. Like, but he uh, looked like Sipowitz. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, and when he would show you stuff, you're like, oh my god, this guy's a bad man. And he was super nice. And uh, and we took the course, and then that got uh, that got parlayed into something that that Jay had started called PoliceTrainers.com, and got a chance to uh, like go train DT to Philly SWAT and all this stuff. And and I, but I remember showing up the first day, and Phil was doing actually him and, and I think his daughter and a few other instructors were there because she could do it as well. They're like, okay, and he's signing us in himself. <laughs> and he's like, so you are CMP? It's like, <laughs> nope. Where are you from? Halifax. Halifax PD? No, no. What are you? Private security firm. He's just like, 
Fair enough. Welcome aboard. <laughs> and uh, Just a couple guys to hang out in a dojo. And he's like, okay, okay. So yeah, we went and did we went and did all that, and and the rest of the guys in the class were awesome. And and like I said, and that parlayed into you know other stuff. Get to do a really a couple of really cool courses in Vegas way back in the day with some really amazing people and. But when you look back now, it seems like sometimes it seems like yesterday, and sometimes it seems like a million years ago. Yeah. When you stop and actually think about when something happened specifically, yeah, all the time. You. Question: I get out there for people. I mean, you do the training aspect, desire to learn versus aptitude for it. Like wow. you, you need to have the aptitude. I think. You, you, well, he, here's how I gauge it: anybody can do it with the right amount of desire and motivation and work ethic. Where you end up fitting in the grand scheme of things when it's all over, aptitude definitely yeah. plays a part in that. Because there are guys that go through the course and when they're done, you go, he's going to be great. He's never going to be late. He's going to be on point. He'll never miss a briefing. The client will love him. He's going to be great. Um, if the shit hits the fan, until I see him tested, I don't know how quick he's going to be able to think on his feet. Yeah. You know, and, but, but, and then there are some guys who are great at it and still might have that desire and that work ethic. But when you're doing especially drill stuff, like if someone's got an aptitude for it, like can, you know, stay a little more calm than the other guy and, and stay a little more focused and think a little more quickly on his feet. I mean, you know that instantaneously. Yeah. You know, you know, you're like, okay, if something really bad happens, he's not going to shit the bed or she, mm-hmm. right? We have, we have an amazingly, amazingly huge diverse group, as you know, of staff. Oh, we do. So what you're saying is no matter what your background is, we have someone who can handle your ass without you being able to call discrimination. Oh, that is, that is without a doubt. We have, we pride ourselves on having an exceptionally diverse pool, which of course was never deliberate. It was organic and, uh, and uh, yeah, we're just all about desire and aptitude and, and wanting to do the job and being passionate about it. And that's just naturally led to uh, having everybody of every race, color, creed, gender, sexual orientation. It does not matter. We've, we're, we're a pretty diverse family. What's your uh, hiring process anyway? Well, obviously, I mean, a lot of it, especially during the busier part of the season, you know, you start like any other job that you're running it through ads. I mean, there was a point way back in the day where it was all word of mouth. Because back in the day, if you didn't have someone who would vouch for you, yeah. there was no point in even attempting. We didn't. You don't even make it to step two. Um, but now, of course, being that we've grown so much, uh, although the word of mouth amongst the staff is still extremely important, the reference thing is, uh, you know, you, you can't do strictly word of mouth because you have, you know, hundreds of staff sometimes working across all the Atlantic provinces over the course of, of say, an event season, for instance. So, you know, you do like everybody else, you run your ads and you have your screening process and you hope, you hope that you find uh, a couple of attributes that are, that are uh, something you can build upon or work with, whether it be experience or, or just, you know, as, as we talked about earlier, desire and aptitude. It, you know, I, I've, seen, I've seen guys who've started out in, in different law enforcement fields that have just absolutely sucked, God love them. Mm-hmm. And I've seen guys who, who just come from the exact opposite end of the spectrum, guys or girls. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just phenomenal. I love that you can't see this here, but 
the passion he has when he talks about this is great. Like, I just segued for the audience. I've been part of the hiring process. <laughs> and I know, but he's, like, explaining it to me, and he's so enthusiastic. Like, and I'll tell you, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> I talk with my hand it's sometimes. I talk with my hand sometimes. Well, I mean, it's it's definitely, yeah. I think it's because a lot of the people that end up staying forever, which a large majority of them do, hmm. uh, one of the other things that we pride ourselves on is, you know, which is rare uh, in the security industry. And once again, this isn't a, a slight to anybody else. Hmm. Um, it's just not the nature of their particular end of the business. But I mean, we have an almost 100% retention rate with staff and, and, and clients, and that's almost unheard of. And the reason, I guess, why when I talk about that is as I'm talking about the, 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 the training and the recruitment, I have flashbacks of all the people that are still around that <laughs> from back then. And, it, and it's just, you know, and, and you become very, very uh, close with them, mm-hmm. you know. So I remember particular times and particular people and seeing them do a particular job and going, Fuck, they're good, you know. Um, so yeah, so that's why I guess that's why I, I get passionate when I talk about it. Is that how I became a supervisor? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I was just like anybody who can handle the razzing of those guys down there. I'm like, oh, he's got it. He's got it, and he can come back with his own quibs and not crack under the pressure of being tortured by some of these big seven foot giants that are just. Love getting off on just trying to push people's buttons. Yeah, yeah. No, he'll be good. He'll be good. Such a good camaraderie. Like you, it's the kind of camaraderie you get amongst siblings. So it's yes. like, it's like a brotherhood. It is. So. Holy moly! And 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 I couldn't even I couldn't even be like you hit the nail on the head. And you know what though? It's it's a lot of the time. A lot of the biggest conflicts, whether or not they be really dangerous or not, happen because of that exact reason. Hmm. It's because it is. It's like it's like we're like a family. It's like a brotherhood or a sisterhood or or family. Hmm. You know. And when you're that close hmm. and you spend that much time with each other, hmm. there have been times when you're stepping in between people because they're just, you know. And you know they're gonna hug it out later, but in that oh, yeah. moment they want to strangle each other. Right? People ask me all the time, they say, they say, so what is it really like doing what you do, like that particular aspect of the security industry? And I thought about it for a long time and, and you know, and now I just answer, I'm Vince McMahon. Yeah. <laughs> and they laugh, they're like, what do you mean? And I'm just like, what I do is I have a, ho- a staff of big, giant, tattooed men. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them uh, who, even though they're the sweetest people in the world, can have egos occasionally. And sometimes they bought heads and then you have to play referee. That's pretty much what I do. When people ask me about stories, and I stop to think, the thing you don't notice at the time, but thinking back is, I've had points where I've butted heads with other people that mm-hmm. I'm working with, mm-hmm. and it could be like a little bit of a lull in an event, and something's gone wrong, so you go to talk it over, and neither one of you are willing to budge. But shit will hit the fan when you're about ready to slap this guy upside the fucking head, and he's ready to slap you upside the fucking yep. head. Yep. And you guys are just on the same page. You dive into it. As things are going, eye contact for a split second. You know yeah. what they're going to do. Yeah. And you're just on the same page. It's Immediately. Immediately. And and a lot of people, I think that's one of the small aspects, but yet one of the most important aspects, why other people who get into, in the industry to try it, it doesn't work out for them. It It, it is that. <laughs> if, you know, you might say, you know, oh, hey, Bob. That guy's a dick. Why, why, why are you guys such good friends? All you do is torture each other all day. It's because I've done 200 shows with him, and I know that he 100% has my back if something bad happens, and I, and I his. Yeah. You know, and, and it is, especially in this day and age. It's a, it's, a, it's a rare thing. Some people are like, oh, you don't pay me enough. Back in the day, you, you'd do it for nothing. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. one of the biggest lines I get when I'm dealing with someone at an event, and they'll ask you, how much do you get paid? And the comeback I like using is I just laugh at them. I say, buddy, 
to deal with you, I would do this for free. <laughs> yeah. I would pay someone yeah. to let me drag you the fuck out here kicking yeah. and screaming. Exactly, exactly. No, for sure, for sure. Absolutely. So have you made any like famous friends throughout your 20 uh, years at this? Famous friends? Uh, well, I think you become... You know, I think you learn to understand through the years what it actually is. And it's a business transaction like anything yeah. else. Uh, they pay you, they expect a certain service and a certain result, and then you provide that. Mm. For that reason, if if someone doesn't go out of their way, say, to get to know me or to spend a lot of time with me or whatever, even if we're doing multiple shows, like a tour, for instance, yeah. or multiple seats, I don't take that personally because I just know. I know that I'm here to do a job, and that's okay. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we've had a few that, mm. that uh, or I should say I've had a few that, that I've got to spend, you know, uh, a little bit of time with, and, and I really, really... Uh, enjoyed. It's funny because, you know, some of the ones that stand out the quickest to me, the ones that I clicked with on a personal level the fastest, are, are uh, Canadian artists and some of them local. Um, I, I mean, not to say that, that there haven't been other ones. There's a couple of, you know, larger bands I could probably tell some funny stories about, but I don't know how much trouble I'd get in. <laughs> I'd probably never get hired again. There's, I mean, the Trues are an amazing, amazing band. You know, I tell anyone who listen whenever I get the opportunity, people ask me about music and my because I hear so much of it, and they're like, "How do you feel about this genre, or that genre?" And I often say, "You know, the greatest Canadian rock band, probably still active, is is the Trues." You mm-hmm. know, and I love those guys. I've done that for a decade, well, probably more now. But geez, I've been saying a decade, probably for yeah, I can't even for, tell you for how like long. for twenty, yeah, for two decades. Um, so you know, and I love them, and we spent a lot, you know, and and I got to know them, and I got to know their staff, and I got to know their production people, and they're just they're just they're just great, a great group of guys, and uh, you know, and we 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 bonded over funny stories. Um, sitting in a pub after a show, it's quiet. There's nobody around. Oh, there was another band, and and they were. I don't like to call them a boy band because uh, they wrote a lot of their own stuff, played their own instruments. They were they were amazingly. They were a man band. Yeah, they were a man <laughs> band. That's right, and they were an amazingly talented mm-hmm. pop rock band. Amazingly talented, like mind blowing. And a lot of the time, I often would step, take a step back and go, "Do I just really like them because I like them, or yeah. they actually, you know?" But uh, but they were discovered by um, I believe it was Howie, the Backstreet Boys. Okay. And he kind of took them under his wing, and they opened uh, for the Backstreet Boys and New Kids, and they did that that unified that that supergroup tour. Mm-hmm. And uh, the band's name was Neverest, and um, yeah, the bass player Paul, who's now an amazing comedian, you know, and the lead, and the, and the guy who sang lead, uh, Spee. Uh, Chalk. I mean, I still talk to Spee a little bit. I talk to Paul a little bit. Just the greatest guys, you know, the greatest guys, and their and their music was amazing, mm-hmm. you know. And it just goes to show, you know, this could be a topic for another show, but how the industry behind the scenes actually works. Because sometimes mm-hmm. there are bands that are just like, oh my god, yeah. this band should make it. Like like on paper and the and the crowd response and the live performances, they should make it. You know, they should be selling out stadiums around the world, but sometimes a lot of it is just politics. Yeah. yeah. You know, you'll, you'll, you'll get a band you'll get a band like the Trues, mm-hmm. you know, who are doing phenomenally. Don't get me wrong. They're doing amazingly. In my opinion, the Trues should be selling out 30,000 stadium, 30,000 yeah. person stadiums every night, in my opinion. You know, and, and then you have, of course... Nickelback, who does, <laughs> right? And and I'm not, and once again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying anything about just sometimes it's right place, right time, right management, right label, right amount of airtime, record play in the U.S. Because let's face it, the U.S. is the one place in the world that'll make you or break you. Yeah. 
And uh, we did a lot of work with Nickelback. Like I said, one of the guys who, who started with me back in the day, one of the crew chiefs, is uh, still a dear friend to this day. Amazing guy. You know, big six foot nine dude. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, he was, we, we, did a, we did a tour with them and they literally kept him. Mm-hmm. And he became like their in-house live-in guy for a couple of years. You know, so I mean, definitely, definitely, nothing but love for for Nickelback, and and you know, it was <laughs> it was quite the experience for for Willie. But I mean, it's just it's just a weird it's just a weird thing how you look at two bands, and you're like, you know, I saw those guys just skyrocket. <laughs> how did these, you know? Yeah. But once again, it so much of his politics. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. It's all sorts of VH1 behind the scenes for shit like that. Oh yeah. man, man! And like I said, it's you know you can do ten, even maybe twenty thousand, but I mean maybe close to ten around the world. Hmm. You're Asia around the world, but until you are you you get a number one hit in the U.S., you yeah. just don't get hmm. the you don't get the nudge, you don't get the rub to that next level globally. And I don't know why that is. I mean, obviously the U.S. is the entertainment hub of the planet. I guess that's yeah. why. But I mean, it's yeah, that's just kind of the way it works. There's only one Hollywood, right? That's it, man. That is this, and I've spent some time there. <laughs> some I forget, some I wish I could. Oh. We'll pull some stories out of you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> oh my! So in 20 years, yeah, you've got some stories. Surely you can share one or two. Oh, okay. This hmm. is this is how I know that that he actually likes me. One because he came down to do the show, and two because he's actually thinking of a story for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. There was there was one. Um, I, I might have a couple. There was one major rock metal band from from the eighties into the nineties, mm-hmm. and you know I've been doing this for so long that I don't really. I guess the term the kids use nowadays is fanboy or fangirl. What yeah. definitely would have been exciting to do. Um, the production company, who I was very close with, with the uh, exec who was running the show, uh, wanted me to go. Picked four of us, actually. Four different guys. Uh, just because the band members, they figured one might each need one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, oh, this would be cool. This would be fun. You know, because I always enjoyed their music. And some acts you do, and you realize now that... In your mind's eye, you're still that 13-year-old kid, and they're still in their 20s. And then when you're not that age, you forget that they're even older. So, so you know, certain bands, you know, you're like, oh, my gosh, they're just so, they run it like a business now. Which is the only way, really, you get longevity, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you have to. But in your mind, you know, you're still like, but I remember the day. <laughs> you know, and this band in particular did not disappoint. So, um, you know, it was still very professional, but yeah, they were, they were, you were not going to mistake any of these boys for someone who was not a rock star. Right. And uh, I, I remember uh, one particular member of the band, and he used to do a particular thing on stage that would get all the girls riled up. A couple of girls in particular got really riled up. And I just remember as the show finished and everybody was going back down the ramp and, you know, good night, whatever city, you know. And he pokes his head out and he goes, Psst. And he's pointing, going, bring them to me. <laughs> and I'm going, oh, no. So anyway, so I go, excuse me, ladies. And they're, and they're still in the stands. And now I think they're just hanging out for whatever reason. You know, a lot of people linger. Mm-hmm. I'm like, can you come here? And they're like, are we in trouble? And I'm still looking at him grinning by the curtain going, yeah, probably, yeah. yeah. So why don't you come down? So anyway, so Not wait about... kind t- of trouble you're yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, so we, 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 we go for a walk back there and, and um, you know, he says, give me about 10 minutes. I said, sure. Now they know where they're at. Mm-hmm. So now they're very excited. And I just remember this gentleman, I knocked the door, they opened it up and the first thing that this gentleman said was, okay, before we start... 
take out your IDs. Everybody here is a grown-up, right? <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, and everybody pulled their IDs out. And I had security on the door, and security's checking their IDs. And they're like, yeah, everybody's in their mid-20s or whatever. And he's like, perfect. Does everybody dance? Come on in. <laughs> and anyway, so next thing you know, you hear this boom, 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 boom. And uh, I'm just like, I, I, I believe one of the guys in the door who's another dear friend of mine. He's been around forever. I'm sure you know him. But... As I'm walking away and I've gone back two or three times and I'm like, geez, I wish loadout would end, <laughs> you know, because I just want the trucks so I just want mm. the buses to go. You hear this crash. So I'm like, what the hell? So I run down, my boy's on the door going, I don't know, man. And I think now something bad has happened, so I just open it. And, um, you know, in certain security riders, you ask for things, right? Mm. Some people's are a little more specific. People just want food and booze. Some people want furniture. Some people, anyway. So this particular individual wanted their room made almost like a lounge. Yeah. And, you know, of course you're on a budget, so I'm sure the venue just brought in probably a bunch of Ikea furniture or whatever. Ikea furniture is the most durable stuff. The old chipboard? Yeah, the yeah. old chipboard. Pressboard? Yeah. <laughs> so as I come in, I just remember this this certain artist, and he's now behind his own turntables DJing with a headset on. What was it? Uh, what's, what's the liquor that tastes like cinnamon? It's oh, nasty. Uh, Oh, uh, Fireball. Uh, no, no, the other oh, one. Oh, uh, fuck, Jagermeister. Oh, yeah. So there's a bottle of Jager. That's like black liquor, so that's not cinnamon. Oh, it's nasty, whatever it is. So it's on this thing, and he's got a Marlboro hanging out of his mouth. He's got the headset <laughs> on. The music is still booming, but he's even set the lights up, so the lights are going. And all I see is this mass of humanity on the floor. Uh, so apparently he had stacked the tables and had everybody dancing on the tables. Mm. Uh, I won't go into any more detail than that. Yeah. And the tables had actually collapsed under their weight and they're just all laying there. I just remember stopping and kind of looking like, dude. And he just kind of looks up at the small candle and goes, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, never mind. Close the door. Anyway, everybody everybody leaves afterwards and it was and it was no harm, no foul. Hope you didn't cheap out in the servers because people are going to be logging on to your website now trying to see who you work for. <laughs> I bet you it was this person. Yeah, I know, I know. Everybody like, oh, God. <laughs> I never even thought about that. Oh, I, I remember one in particular that uh, that Colin, the lead singer of the Truth, Colin McDonald used to love. After a few beer, he would ask me to tell over and over again. And um, we did a, a performance one night. I can't remember how many cities. It might even have been a one-off. I think it was a one-off. Hmm. And uh, and Bob Dylan, of course, was a legend. Mm-hmm. Was in in town, sold out show, and they wanted the security guy not just to do the security, but to be the driver, so to keep the group to a, a minimum. Mm-hmm. So I said, "Yeah, no problem, I'll do it." And uh, I reached out to to Jay, and uh, he was God love him. He was he was good enough to give me his Hummer. So I'm not quite sure who the lady with him was. We had met, and I know that she would be maybe management, maybe. A partner, maybe mm. uh, a wrangler, maybe all of the above. Um, but she was the lady. She that was, was she was a piece of the machine. Yeah, she was the lady that that, that was with stuck to his side and co- corresponded with me. I say there's two people: there's the man in charge and the woman who knows what's going on. That's right. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> so, so the phone call I got was: we're going to do a, a quick dry run, and we're just going to go from the venue. Uh, into sorry from from the hotel into the venue. I know it probably seems like a big deal or it seems like well, that's silly, but yeah. we're very particular. Mm-hmm. I said no problem. I said I don't mind doing that. So uh, instead of going to Caden for supper, I said let's let's do that. So they had already gone back um, to the hotel with 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 someone else that wasn't with me, mm-hmm. and they said let's just do a dry run. And I said sure. So I picked them up. The point that you should point out here that because it's so routine to you, people wouldn't realize 
that it's when the actual event that's going to happen that a bunch of crazy people are going to try something. So you want to know everywhere they could come from. Oh, absolutely. Point, right? absolutely. So that's, that's the important point of a dry yeah. run. Is and and, and I, think, I think the reason why she wanted to do a dry run is she didn't realize that that particular venue that we knew inside and out we could mm-hmm. we could do that venue in our sleep we knew where every hot spot was every dead zone yeah. i mean i could do that i could walk around and play that place blindfolded so but i but i'm okay i'm all about accommodation sure yeah so i picked him up let's do the dry run and i just remember getting there and uh him saying do you have anything else we can drive in <laughs> and i'm like what well what, what do you mean sir and he just said it, it's just and she kind of spoke up and said i think he thinks it's a little you know, draws a little bit of attention, maybe, mm. and I, I could, I could see it on her tongue, the tip of her tongue. She wanted to say pretentious. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, I think we can, sure. So I ran into the production assistant, and I told her what I, what my idea was, and and she said, yeah, sure, just zip around to a couple spots. So we zipped to, across the street to one dealership. Not, they were closed. Zipped up the road to another one. They were closed. By two or three now, like we're getting to the point where, like, we're getting close to sound check, and this gentleman still has to go back. Probably wants to put his feet up. Maybe wants to come back to catering to eat or eat at the hotel. So now I'm getting a little nervous, and I don't normally get shook, but it was logistically, I usually have everything planned out. And I'm going, this is new. So I'm driving around, and then finally I'm like, oh, to hell with it. And I literally went and. Um, I just want to point out, I'm loving a story where you didn't have something planned out to a T. I know. The very end. This is fascinating to me. Let's I know, go, I know, go. I know. The big running joke is the guy used to say, yeah, and he has a plan C for when yeah, the aliens attack. Did, yeah. <laughs> um, and I ended up, um, my father-in-law at the time, uh, he drove, I think, like a 1999 Teal... Aerostar. Oh. Like, I'm talking, oh my gosh. Like, it was an ugly mom and dad soccer vehicle 30 years Your ago. kids are embarrassed being dropped yeah. off at school. And yeah, fuck so it, I literally yeah. had to run in, drop the keys off. He's sitting at the kitchen table and say, and say, I need to borrow the keys to this vehicle. What are you doing? I just have Bob Dylan and he doesn't want to be in the Hummer. And he okay, have a good evening, you know? And I'm running out and I get it. In, so now we're, now we're in the, we're in this, <laughs> Aerostar and we're driving I don't I'm, I'm trying to think if it was an Aerostar but it was one of those really ugly boxy really old minivans and uh, it was so old that it had very few knobs and buttons <laughs> so I don't know where the knob is to turn the dome light off <laughs> so every time man getting in and out of this vehicle the first thing I'd hear was can you turn, turn the dome light off please and I'd be scrambling looking right just Oh my god! And then we got back to the hotel, and then it was time to, to for sound check. Went back, then went back to the hotel again, and now and now it's showtime. So he we arrived just yeah. before he went on the opening act. Went on, and so he said, now I'm just stressed as shit because I'm like, man, I, I I couldn't find the button standing up, and I'm still fiddling around, and I'm like, can someone look at one of the runners going? Can somebody get me some duct tape or something? I'll put it over the light. So anyway, surely you'd have enough money. You could have just popped that thing with your fist and replaced it. <laughs> you know, it probably could have. It was you, probably made by Fisher Price. Yeah, but uh, but anyway, so father-in-law, so, yeah, still, it's like I'm not gonna fuck up his van. That's exactly it. Yeah. So at the very at the very uh, end, it was just I just remember there was so much going on, and cool. and I'm getting a radio call going. Can you organize a street closure because we got to get the vehicles out? So now I'm like hopping out of the car, grabbing a bunch of other guys, and going, dude, we got to shut the street down. You go here. So now I'm redeploying other guys while I'm supposed to be driving everybody's like okay so we're going to do this and that I'm like yes yes but and I'm not trying to be a dick but I'm trying to speed it up right mm-hmm. because I got to get back in the in the in this minivan 
So here he comes. <laughs> this arrow step. Oh, God. So so she opens the door and gets the light. Now I'm extremely stressed. I'm sitting in the front seat. I'm starting it up. He's like, Kent, turn the light off. Because the... <laughs> Everyone the, can yeah, fucking I know, see him. Because the girl, the girl that was with him, the lady, is now talking to someone else with production. <laughs> so she's the one holding the door open. So now I'm sitting there starting it. I'm doing this, and I don't want to interrupt her. And he's going, Kent, turn... <laughs> Turn the dumb lid. And then finally I turn around. I'm like, Bob, close the door. Just close the door. The light will go out, man. So anyway, yeah. So that was, that was, the, that was the Bob story. That's but I mean, you know, aside, aside from those few little hiccups, so that was a, that was a good evening. Uh. Went, you know, yeah, we've had, we've had some funny evenings out with the bands afterwards. I mean, the, the, the Tragically Hip, they helped, hmm. they helped you know, working with, with Gillette at the time, now Eventco. I mean, hmm. those guys... You know, we did so much with them, and they they, they definitely gave us a, 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 the rub, mm-hmm. so to speak, way back in the day. And they were amazing, amazing guys, amazing guys. Can't say enough good things about them. I love hearing that because I always thought I'd have to fuck up like seven or eight times before you'd have to stop and think about the next one. <laughs> Three dealerships and you were done. <laughs> oh, but I was just like, well, I'm on a time crunch, and I'm going, oh my god, how am I going to do this? Yeah, no, that was pretty much it. It was the time constraint, but yeah, no, it's it definitely that was that was a close one for yeah. sure. So you're familiar with the show, and you've been talking so nicely about some celebrities. Mm-hmm. Any celebrities piss you off? <laughs> oh, did any celebrities? And this is a killer because you got to think who would never hire me. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Who would I never ever work with again? Even if we fucking hate you, we will still make sure you're safe. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I. you know what? I've had so many good experiences. I'm trying to think of somebody who was... It doesn't have to be someone you worked with. It's just a celebrity you fucking hate seeing. <laughs> oh, God. Um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of artists now that I'm not sure why they're famous. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd use the term hate, but a lot of people who wrote of the whole young YouTube slash reality show slash Dr. Phil slash, you know, a lot of these people. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to, I'm going to try not to rant here and, and sound all preachy. That's the whole point of this I know, I know, though. I know. I think that it's a shame that when you poll children nowadays and ask them what they want to do for a living back in the day, it was, I want to be a singer or a dancer or a truck driver yeah. or a doctor. Now it's everybody's. I want to be a YouTuber. Well, I just yeah. want to be famous. Yeah. And you say famous doing what? <laughs> and they have no idea. They just want to be famous, and that can lead to some really unhealthy habits. Because mm-hmm. if you if you grow up in that culture and you're so submersed and so obsessed with it, you're willing to do anything for notoriety. <sighs> you know, everything from the catch me outside girl to you know, like I I get it that there is a specific genre for say a Cardi B. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it. Yeah. I know that there's definitely a lot of people who enjoy watching the Kardashians. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. No. I don't understand any of that. I admire people who gain fame through their talent. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just don't know so, what certain people's are. You know, I mean, as far as, as far as, if you want to say not necessarily dislike, but demanding. Like I said, I mean, one of my favorite artists of all time is Prince. Mm-hmm. Have not a bad thing to say about Prince. These people are very demanding, <laughs> but I think I think it's because of because he was a perfectionist. Yeah. So if you weren't, <laughs> you, you were in shit. You know, same thing with you know. I, I remember uh, we did a bunch of back to back shows with with Kevin Hart. Mm-hmm. Kevin, lovely person. Some of his staff, I would rather jump off a building. 
<laughs> then work with again and that was that was probably one of the more stressful <laughs> events I'd ever done because there were so many shows back to back to back yeah yeah that was a hard one I was I was there for that actually mm-hmm. I lucked out you put me in a spot where I had good people to deal with <laughs> yeah yeah it, you know I understand that they're in a lot of pressure yeah. because they're being paid a boatload of money by Netflix mm-hmm. so the show has to be a closed show and we have to do everything in our power to lock it down but when that kind of pressure is on a staff mm-hmm. that probably could lose their job if, if they're not perceived as doing it correctly boy are they not fun to be around no. we'll just leave it at that i would say that was probably one of the few shows and like i said i think it was three back to back to back yeah uh that was one of the after that was over i was like <laughs> i will never ever ever and then they got me to do one more and i was like oh yeah. my god um, but that was that was one that i was i yeah i wanted to crawl in the hole and, and just die after that one it was funny because i went in there cranky because we had the hotels book, but something happened where there's three of us in a room with two beds oh, okay. so i just threw a couple pillows and i'll take the floor because mm-hmm. I was the I was the ranking guy, yeah, there. so yeah, I was like, "I'll yeah. be nice to you guys." Yeah, I, just, I even posted like a video <laughs> on like Instagram, like this is them sleeping. This is my fucking bed. So like, I went in there. I was like, oh, "Fucking bullshit, fuckstakes." <laughs> yeah, no. So I mean, I mean, I guess yeah. That's the that's the yeah. only way I can really answer your question is that it's not that I I don't I'm the kind of person that I don't I gotta know you to hate you. Yeah, and I don't really know. So, but certain people, especially from like I said, the reality show, I just don't know why you're famous. Yeah, I can see that you are because a million people watch you every week. I just don't know why you are personally. Just because you're you, I will let you off the hook from this stack talk <laughs> with this little TED talk you went into. <laughs> but just because you're you and you gotcha. sign my paychecks. <laughs> But, like, yeah, uh, as far as, like, famous jobs go, those are pretty good. But an interesting one, if I may bring up, mm-hmm. attempted kidnapping. This oh, was in the news, yes. so it's it's not like it's a big secret. That's like, I think we can talk about this a no, little bit. No, no, yeah, we can, we can. Yeah, that's that's that was that was all over the news. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was a busy, busy... Man, I don't think I've ever done that many interviews back to back to back in forever. And it was funny because when all the cameras showed up to the home, and as you know... It was a massive home. Yeah. Like the guest house had a guest house. Um, <laughs> so it, uh, yeah, the, we, we had been with them for a couple of weeks at that point, that family. And uh, there was just some intel given through local law enforcement. And, of course, they can't be on site all the time, so they mm-hmm. recommended us. And we had gone in, and there was just, just a small team of us, two or three guys that would roam the house, got to know the family. Uh, and they would shift in and out because we had to be there all the time. And then there was me, and then there was a PI, and then there was a tech guy. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so I remember when we first showed up, they had just said, there's already been one attempt and we're afraid they're going to go back. And this gentleman, of course, very successful, you know, began a mining company that, that hit gold overseas and, and just mm-hmm. became ungodly wealthy overnight. This is like some straight up 90s action movie shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we so when I showed up, I was briefed by the police. And they just said, OK, they have cameras all over the house. Um, and I said, well, I might bring a, a, someone in to maybe move some cameras around, maybe put some motion sensors in there. Like, yeah, yeah. And I said, I'd like to see the, I'd like to see the footage if I could. I had no idea he had a movie theater in his basement. So I go into the movie theater. I sit down. He uh, goes into the, the camera room and then brings it all up on the big screen. So now I'm watching, God, I don't know, two weeks of video surveillance footage on Fast Forward. It took me, I don't know, 12 hours. So, yeah, I could see that the place was being cased. There was one gentleman. They'd come in from different areas, and, and it, was, it was happening at almost the exact same time on one or two particular days. So they didn't break the pattern, so I just I made some notes. And I said, okay, if they're going to come again, it's going to be on one of these days between this and this time. And we were just lucky enough that the first night we set up, and, and no, great, we were with them for a few days because one of those, one of those particular days wasn't, 
two or three days leading up. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So there was a few days leading up where, where it wasn't one of the potential days that I spot. Like I, I thought. Yeah. So, you know, got to know the family and got to know the kids and, you know, that sort of thing and made everybody feel comfortable. And, and um, that one particular day, um, we set up the night before and sat and sat and sat. And, you know, I had a guy on the outside, I had a guy downstairs on cameras and I had... So anyway, um, that time period came and went. I said, okay, I think we can just probably leave one guy in here if he's got to move. Like the owner of the home, I, I can move with him, but one person can stay just to secure the home. And I think the tech guy can stay, the guy that works the cameras, uh, and, and the PI can probably, we can probably let him off for a bit mm-hmm. and then come back and start again. And uh, we all convened outside of the home, um, except for the gentleman who was doing our cameras, who just turns out by sheer fluke was a pretty handy guy. Yeah. Uh, was definitely not afraid of confrontation. <laughs> um, and and as we're having that chat, and all of a sudden, the motion sensors went and says, holy shit, there's somebody in the house. And I get the radio call. And by the time we get to the top of the stairs, the guy in full ghillie suit and knives and a backpack with duct tape and handcuffs and, and the full-on assault rifle, like, is literally, like, repelling in. Or I think, I think actually at this point, he had already... Scaled maybe the side of the building and had got into because that's how big this home was. It was a building mm-hmm. and it maybe had got into you know it's a big home when you scale instead of climb. Oh, Just I know it was out, insane. Right? Yeah. It was insane. Now, I'm trying to think of exactly whether or not he had made it to because there was one hidden wall that would slide sideways and expose a bar one of the bedrooms up the top floor. And of course, Derek's the first guy to get there, so the guy turns, mm-hmm. of course, with the weapon and yeah, poof. I don't think he was expecting Derek to move towards him. I said, "Move away." So next thing you know, you know, we get at the top. He's already on his back. We got, you know. Uh, so we do a dog pile on, and now it's just like so. Now you're wrestling for the gun. You pull it away. And you're like, okay, I don't think this is real. It's a bit, it's at least not loaded, but yeah. I don't think it's real. And you kind of throw it to the side, and then you reach and you pull up the sidearm. You're like, okay, no, I think this is a pellet gun. All right, yeah. you throw that down, and then you're like pulling off his backpack and backpack falls open. You're looking, you're seeing like chloroform and rags and duct tape. You're going, <laughs> Jesus Christ. And, uh, and you know, he's, he's, uh, he's definitely not willing to go. Uh, well, he wasn't willing to go quietly initially. Yeah. And then after, uh, then he was willing. He got learned. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. Then he, then it was okay. Yeah. yeah. So then, then, you know, the police came and carted him away and, and then, yeah. And then all the camera trucks start showing up and, and, uh, and they asked me to go out, the family asked me to go out and, and be the spokesperson, and so I did, and did all that, and that just kind of led into like a little bit of a press junket, which I was not expecting. Uh, Nothing more fun, I'll tell you, than trying to come up with stuff, because you can't really discuss anything, you uh, know, because I mean, it's just like, I can't, like, like yeah. this, this individual's going to go to trial soon, I, it's, I can't discuss with you, you know, and some of the stuff that they were saying too, like, well, I was, like, we were holding him, waiting for the police, like some of the things he was saying, I was just like, okay. This guy's either a lot more connected than we know, or he is completely yeah, insane. Shit, yeah. yeah. So you know, but obviously you can't discuss it because they, yeah. you know, it was it was all going to come trial. You didn't want to you didn't want to impede or, or hurt anything. Yeah. You know, but I mean, it turns out, of course, the the, the guy I think went away for a psych eval and ended up doing some time. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, that was interesting. A little bit batshit. <laughs> oh man, well, when you come in dressed like GI Joe, it was, it was, it was yeah. definitely interesting. It was definitely interesting. Yeah, you mentioned like you start noticing the patterns and you got lucky, but mm-hmm. it, you say lucky like in a sense, but I mean you notice patterns. That's a big part of what we do is you oh, notice sure. patterns of things. Like Absolutely. I know even just working a small spot, you Absolutely. get to know the regulars' habits. So it's like this guy went to the bathroom and hasn't gone for his cigarette in forty minutes. He's twenty minutes late. Yep. You know he's passed out in the bathroom. Well, you just take that 
you took that to the extreme. Like, Absolutely. this is probably when someone's going to get kidnapped. Like oh, this. man, it's, it's like, yeah, def- I mean, definitely, definitely. You, you, well, the only thing you have to go on initially mm-hmm. is is patterns, right? Yeah. Because, like, what else am I going to go on? Yeah. I mean, technically, the guy could show up at you know, 6 a.m. on a Tuesday, middle of the morning. I mean, but you don't know. Like, so, so you just have the only, that's your that's your first step is to go, okay, well, where do they normally go and when do they normally go there? Okay, well, that's 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 step one. Yeah. You know? The ability to anticipate what's going to happen, mm, too, exactly. is a big part of it. Like, we're not just jamming. We try to prevent shit as best we can. And try to be proactive as far as reactive. Absolutely. I preach that all the time for you sure. You said that way more eloquently than I did. <laughs> <laughs> so, you had any really bad experiences, or I guess we call them learning experiences, you can share? Mm. Now, when you say bad experiences, do you mean poor planning on my part or just in general? Just when something... I don't think you plan poorly, to be honest yeah. with you. Like, I've known you long enough, but I mean... When we, things yeah, don't go our way. We we did a Virgin Fest once. Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually, I can give two examples. One was one was you know neither had anything to do with the security, uh, but Virgin Fest would be one. Um, it was by the time it made it to Halifax, um, quite a few bands had dropped out. Mm-hmm. Um, just for various personal reasons. It was just the perfect storm of of just issues. Yeah. So by the end of it, it was I think the headline act. I think it was Offspring. Okay. Uh, but there was like four or five other bands that were supposed to be there. I can't even remember anymore. Maybe Bon Jovi, The Hip. I think the Toronto shows Oasis did. Um, but for whatever reason, the show I think was cursed from the get-go because that was the year that, if you remember, it was all over the media when I think it was either Liam or Noel Gallagher got tackled on the stage in Toronto and yeah. busted his ribs and the speaker. Yeah, I think that was the uh, we, That was not us, no. by the way. That no, was not Toronto, us. Toronto. Yes, oh, yeah. no one's ever got to the stage at one of our shows. Um, but it was... Uh, by the time, you know, and then something happened with a member of the Hips family and they had to go. And, and by the end of it, there was only a couple small opening acts and offspring. So they didn't know what to do. So the night before, they literally announced on the radio and just said, it's free show. Oh, Oof. shit. Holy <clears throat> shit. I've never seen 4,000 people turn into 40,000 people that fast in my life. The gates got toppled. The fences got toppled. Everything got knocked over. They just, as soon as they heard free, raw. And the whole just oh, the whole city converged on this on this concert, and they were climbing the fences, they were climbing the towers, they were climbing, and that was just that was yeah, Duh. that was a nightmare. I was like, please, can we never ever do that again? And even when you're prepared, like people don't, I think realize just how crazy people are. Like mm-hmm. I remember there was a big concert; it was outdoor. Mm-hmm. And you put me on the front admissions, mm-hmm. and I was just going back and forth, and the shit we were confiscating from people. Oh yeah, a guy's like walking. He's got this weird like canter to his walk, and I look at him. I said, "Something wrong with your leg, bud?" I said, "No, why?" Well, what are you hiding? I'm not hiding nothing. I said, "You got something down your pant leg." Yeah. What have you got? So I'm expecting him to pull out like a quart of liquor or something. Pulls out a fucking machete. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you'd be shot. And the weirdest part about it is, that's not the first time it's happened. No, and I'm like, yeah. dude, you can't fucking have that. He's like, it's just my knife. I'm like, it's basically a fucking sword. <laughs> what do you need that for? He's like, oh, you know, just in case I need it. I was like, for what? There's no vines in your leg? <laughs> he's no like, alligators. Yeah, he's like, well, can I just go put this somewhere? I'm like, not now. That we're <laughs> like, by then, the cop, the police that were there outside just kind of drive my saw and yeah, they came yeah. and confiscated it. Oh, like, my yeah, God. You People will try. That. People will try the dumbest stuff. The dumbest stuff. Yeah. Or try to argue to bring in the dumbest stuff. I mean, you know, weapons is definitely one, but just anything, you yeah. know? Like, oh, my gosh. This guy was like 130 pounds at this other event. He was coming through with his, like, gym bag, and he was struggling to hold it up. 
<laughs> like, what have you gotten there? And he's like, just blankets. <laughs> so let us take a look. So he puts it on the table and he opens it up. See, it's just a blanket. I was like, what's under the blanket? He had about 60 cans of beer in that. Nice. And I was like, who's that for? He's like, that's just for me. I was like, you're 130 pounds. <laughs> you will die. <laughs> It's one of those ones where you gotta go, man. I'll give you D for effort. Yeah, you tried, bro. Go. You tried. It's like, can I go put this in the trunk of my car? <laughs> you can get past those police officers staring at you. You have can. At her. and they just laughed. At him. Oh my god, that's Set funny. Him to his car. That's so funny. Yeah. But at least he didn't come in with us. No, <laughs> no, we're uh, we're pretty good. I think. I think. Yeah, we're I pretty think. Good. Yeah, but we do it a while. We do okay. We've been doing it a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my. So. I've been asking you all these questions about security, mm-hmm. but in life we're told there are no stupid questions. Oh, God. Are okay. you ready for five stupid questions? Oh, my God. Where are we going with this? Okay. <laughs> all right. Let's give her a try. First question. What water flavoring do you find most offensive? <laughs> what water flavoring? I think um, peach just for trying to pretend that it's peach. Peach? I think so. It's just trying to pretend that it's peach. <laughs> it's more like it's more like a cross between peach and cantaloupe. Like, you know, except for like cantaloupe's not even quite like cantaloupe's like it tastes like it's putting no effort in whatsoever. Hmm. You know, so somewhere in between there, I guess. Yeah. Second question: How much would it cost to make a build a bear that looks just like you? <laughs> well, you could probably. Go up to the dumpster behind the hotel, pull some random shit out of the couch, stick it maybe in a sock, and I think put a put a hat on it and some sunglasses, and it would probably resemble me a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How do you think Ryan Seacrest likes his coffee? <laughs> I think um, brought to him uh, on the back of a concubine with a silver plate. While he just randomly screams obscenities about them, ire that he has about the query keyboard that he created, that Apple sued him over. I just think he's still <laughs> angry about that. Uh, but he's, he gets it together for TV, though. He does, yes. he does. Great hair. Great, great hair. Great hair. Great hair. Great hair. Wouldn't Perfect. know nothing about that, but great hair. <laughs> good jawline, great hair. Yeah. You yeah. good hair, too. Well, you know, it's, it's, I, I don't comb it much. I think, I'd like to think if I combed it, it would look like his, but I don't know. I don't know. He's some pretty spectacular hair. I'm jealous of everyone with hair. <laughs> Fourth question. You're screaming, gentle, gentle. What's happening? Oh, my gosh. My taxes. <laughs> <laughs> Did not see that coming. <laughs> Fifth question. Mm-hmm. They're making a movie about your life. Mm-hmm. Which detail are they going to bullshit the most? Oh my God! Which detail are my level of competence? Your level? No. I, <laughs> which detail would they bullshit the most? Oh my God! Which detail would they? I think my height. I would probably. I'm hoping. <laughs> I'm hoping I'd be seven foot two. I'm hoping I'd be seven because that literally is what most people, when they see a resume or when they speak to me over the phone before they book me, assume based on my credential. And when I show up, I, I did a, I did an autograph signing years and years ago at a radio station, and uh, it was for a rapper at the time. His name was Chingy, I believe. And I remember rolling in with with two of my guys that I love them. I've known forever. They're like brothers. Uh, two of the original crew chiefs and, the, and it, <laughs> Ferg and Willie. And Ferg would be about. Six six three sixty, and Willie would be about six nine two seventy. And I just remember us walking in together, and the 
the people with Chingy going, oh my goodness, well, you must be the security. And then looked at me in the middle and said, and you are? Let me tell you, we talk about the boys razzing. Holy shit, did I get razzed that day. I was like, oh no, not in front of these guys. They're just like, hee hee. You know, so I knew I was gonna get, I was just gonna get heckled that whole day. What kills me about your answer to this question mm-hmm. is no matter what you were gonna answer alternatively to that, I was gonna come back with a quip about your height. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? You know what? It's 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 definitely if if you were if someone was gonna take a poke at me, especially being that the line of work that I'm in, mm-hmm. you know, and and I would never ever try to steal a line from from uh, uh, Patrick Swayze. God rest his soul. He, I thought he was a super cool guy hmm. but uh oh yeah dude like i can't tell you the amount of times that i've wanted to steal that line and just say it because they're asking me questions and they're kind of looking around they're going well we see you've done this this and this and that's awesome and blah 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 and you're they're looking behind me it's like they're looking for more of me yeah you know like the rest of me is somewhere else and i almost you know i don't want to go i know i know i know you thought i'd be bigger but yeah no that's yeah. it's funny like when i first met you You'd say, has anyone got any comments or smart-ass lines or something? The first time, I was, like, sitting there kind of quietly. And then the more events and the more I got to know you, he's like, anyone got any lines or a height jokes? I'm like, have you gotten Keyboard Elf yet? <laughs> and you said, Keyboard Elf, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, my gosh, yeah. At this stage, I'm so used to it. I'm yeah. so used to it. Like I said, it's it's in this industry, you know, I mean, God, you know, I'm 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 – Five foot nine and a half on a good day. Fucking, on a good day. You're the fucking Tasmanian devil, though. Like <laughs> and it's funny because everybody says five foot nine and a half, and I'm like, yeah. When you're not six feet, you'll remember that half inch. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I think that anybody that's probably under six feet in this industry has probably been raised at one point or another. Yeah, I'm I'm five eleven. Mm-hmm. But someone, you're close enough. But, see. but someone asked me that one time, like, how tall are you? Because I was smaller than the guys that they were seeing. I said, yeah. I was five eleven. And they looked at me and was like, but not six feet, though. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the bane of my existence, the bane of my existence. Now, now, if you had been on site with me, they wouldn't have even cared about how I know, tall I was. I right? know. They would have said, geez, that guy's huge. No. <laughs> but you're like as broad as you are tall. So <laughs> well, you know, you got to be good at something. Got- I'm, I'm going to take so much training that my resume is off the charts. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to spend so much time doing that training. So, so at least I give off that vibe. Because I'm like, there ain't no way I'm growing another foot. No. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. <laughs> Too funny. And I remember, like, starting out, I was I was definitely more fit 10 years ago than I am now, creeping mm-hmm. up on 40. And I just remember, like, thinking, like, okay, I'm in fairly decent shape. And mm-hmm. then the guy, like, the first guy I meet on site is, like, six foot five, and he's looking at me. And he said, it's funny because he said it to me, and then another guy that worked with us would steal this line saying they said it to him. And the only reason I remember is because he regurgitated the story a bunch of times to people. Uh-huh. And then I heard, I was like, that didn't happen to him. <laughs> but he looked at me, he's like, you're not that big. <laughs> and I was like, I'm okay. He's like, okay, well, hopefully you're crazy or you know something most people don't. He's, <laughs> I was like, okay, I've never heard that. But he was with me and he, was, he ended up regurgitating that to fucking everybody that would listen to the story. Oh, of course, I'm sure you found yeah. it hilarious. Yeah. No, it's... it's uh... Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, you, you just see guys. But, you know, the flip side of that is, and once again, I'll, I won't say anything disparaging, but the one thing about doing the, the, the tour security on behalf of the production is you get to know everything from, you know, the layouts of venues quicker to um, pass systems and all that sort of thing. So I find a lot, and once again, I won't drop any, you know, 
<laughs> everybody's feelings here. But I mean, I would, you know, you'd go in and, and a certain very big star would come in and they would have this ginormous individual with them from wherever they're from, whether mm-hmm. it be, you know, LA or New York, and, and they walk in and they're just this imposing character. And then as, you know, you go over the briefing with them so they can tell the rest of the staff, because usually the lead guy will. Sometimes they'll, you'll just get appointed the lead guy and you just take over. But uh, in those circumstances, sometimes it's, you know, within five minutes of a conversation, you're going, wow, you are ginormous and scary looking, but you have absolutely no idea what you're doing. Yeah. You were somebody's cousin and that's how you got this job. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then they're like, man, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take a step back for the next few cities. And I'm just going to let you do all that just, just so I can kind of, you know, give you my feedback on how well I think you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> you just roll with it. Yeah. You just, and it's just like, you don't know what you're doing, do you? That's what I'm thinking in my head. I'm like, you have no idea what you're doing, do you? Um, well, I find you do it long enough, too. You get to know who's for real and yeah. who's just yeah. not a show. Like, you, yeah. you're talking to someone for five minutes, like... If something happens, you're going to be hiding in a bathroom stall with your feet up on the seat. Uh, and, 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 and even if it's not because... And they might be able to handle themselves because some of these people are ginormous. How could you when yeah. you're 7 feet, 450? Uh, but it's it's just... the They've never had to do anything more than just be seen with this person oh, yeah. as the visual deterrent. So you're thinking, oh my gosh, because you start to talk about, well, when this happens, we'll do this and that. And you look at them, they're like a deer in headlights. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, if the shit hits the fan, you are just not going to be able to thick quick enough on your feet. And you know they're not. So you're like, how about... So then you kind of offer yourself up and go, well, how about I take care of this? How about I take care of that? Because you know you're going to be with them for the next four or five cities anyway. Yeah. And you might as well have it done right. And that way it's one less stress on your brain with, you know, because I've seen it where... Some guys are like, I don't care. I'm just here to look after him. Let the doors open. Let's have better. <laughs> it's just like, holy shit. And then it's just an absolute free-for-all, right? I remember I was doing a little recruitment drive at one point for the area. And mm-hmm. there was this guy that he said, hey, I know a guy that'd be worth talking to. So he was looking for work, this uh, college kid. And I was talking to him. He was fucking huge. Just a mountain of a boy. Mm-hmm. And I said, I think he'd be good with it. He's like, uh, yeah, you know, like I'm thinking more about it. I don't think I'd be interested. I was like, oh, come on. Like, what's the worst that could happen? He's like... I haven't really been in a lot of fights, so mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how that would go. And I'm really big, and I'm worried that that might intimidate someone, and they would just stab me. Rather than <laughs> trying to fight me. Yeah. Okay. I was, I was like, that's fair. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, that's a, that's an odd one, but I could. Hey, yeah. he's thinking. Well, he's like, yeah, I'm so big. Who's going to try to stand toe to toe with me? Yeah. No. Hey, he was thinking. He was thinking. I guess when you're that size your whole life, yeah, maybe those kind of things cross your mind, right? Yeah. I wouldn't know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm like, I could probably hit you six or seven times, and I'd get your attention. Like, <laughs> excuse me. Yeah. Oh my. So we're about an hour and a half in. Okay. What do you say? I let you plug all your shit that you want to plug. Oh, geez. Now, what do I want to plug? Well, I mean, right now it's we're in interesting times because um, there's not a lot going on. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, one of the biggest running jokes is you know, obviously we've. We've diversified quite a bit, as you know, but I mean, you know, when you're when your main bread and butter is the entertainment industry, and there's none, mm-hmm. uh, or or professional sports, of course, which you know a lot about as well. You know, I guess a couple things I, I would pass on is, uh, um, as you know, we have a promo line, and I have a gentleman uh, working on getting a site up for that. We used to just give it out, you know, to our staff mm-hmm. um, and do little contests and stuff, and then you know. Uh, one of my guys years back said, dude, you know what we should do? We should make up a shirt and put cool logos on it and just have all that crazy shit you say to people when you're when we're training. <laughs> and I'm just like, really? People buy that? And he's like, yeah, yeah. 
So that's kind of how it, and, and so I just started throwing some of my, my catchphrases on these shirts and some of them found them, you know, I guess people found them funny or, or interesting. Um, so, you know, it, we, we started uh, not just letting the staff wear them, you know, the public could wear them, obviously, because it's not security shirts. And then, you know, we started mixing them up a little bit. We're working on a couple of designs now. Um, one of them, my director of ops, Nate, is, mm-hmm. uh, is going to wear on, on tour. Um, there's a there's a couple of places in the world, I guess, that that apparently they're allowing this. Mm-hmm. So uh, so uh, mid next month or mid this month now it's April. Yeah, young Nathan will be taking off for about a month. He's going to do a tour of uh, South Africa. Well, obviously we wish him tons of luck. He's going to do great. The boys love him, oh. and he's great at what he does. So he'll be fine. Nate's a goddamn beaut. Yeah, he's a beaut, and uh, and he'll be sporting. He'll be sporting some of the cool merch, and uh, and I think once once the separate site, which is uh, Shadow Wear. Uh, .ca is up and running. You'll be able to find the link, of course, on a regular website. But maybe we'll start doing a few more, a few more little contests and do some fun, silly things to kind of, you know, there's just so much boredom going on right now in mm-hmm. the world. So maybe we, maybe we get some people, maybe we give some people some promo shirts and get them to do some silly things and and uh, hashtag some stuff and and see if we can see if we can liven things up. It's been it's been a slow go. <laughs> If you need a decent rep in the area, I know a guy with a podcast. Absolutely. That's done your bidding for 10 yeah. fucking years. <laughs> <laughs> also, listen, I'll, you take a look, take a look yeah. absolutely at some of the at some of the patterns that we have and some of the some of the the new these shirts that we have out already and absolutely, buddy. Yeah. We'll say we'll send you down a couple to rep. <laughs> we'll get her up on the Instagram. I'll get some of my attractor friends to to, to model them maybe. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Sounds like a plan. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. As you were saying, we do a lot of entertainment sports events and stuff but mm-hmm. if anyone's running an event where you do need security we will do stuff for you if you're not famous oh my god we, yes. we, we just gotta like you yeah absolutely and he likes everybody and I tend to like a lot of people he likes way too many people um, yeah no we definitely we definitely one of the hugest misconceptions we do have a static division static is is uh, encompasses static and mobile it's kind of like a slang term used mm-hmm. in the industry it just means you know more regular type security right yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah, we have a division that does all that stuff. I can't tell you the amount of people that say, you know, say, geez, I wish I had, like, uh, you know, one of those big guys, like one of those shadow guys working on this parking lot during this, you know, and then someone yeah. say, well, why don't you just call them and be like, oh, they wouldn't do this. They wouldn't do it. Sure they would. Yeah. You know, we have, we absolutely, absolutely, we would, we, we, we have a division for almost every one of your needs. It just people tend to only think about that particular because that's where we always are right at shows we're going to have a little local festival we need some security if Kent can't come down and look he's going to send me to go over and that's take a right, look that's right you'll get you'll listen he might perform oh Jesus <laughs> we're, we're, we're promoting you not me <laughs> I thought I'd plug you uh, I appreciate it yeah no worries but yeah I'll throw some sick jokes your way beautiful <laughs> beautiful so you came down to do this, but it was kind of a little vacation for you with the family. Yes, yes. I see you got your your minions here. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, I couldn't. Uh, I could not be happier. Actually, it was a it was a really it was a stroke of good luck that you wanted to meet here in particular because uh, Andy Ignatius, where where my oldest goes to university, my beautiful daughter Paige, and of course when I got my main man of all men there, I got uh, OP Matt Prosser. Prosser, and, get over here. Yeah, <laughs> get over here, Prosser. Say something? No. No. no, no. <laughs> He's a little bit shy. Anyway, I he said for one of the first things that he said when I said I was coming down to the podcast, he's like, "Are you going to mention me?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm going to mention you." Mm-hmm. you t- how can I? How can I do this and not mention you? Coolest guy I ever met. It was actually just a ploy to get you for the podcast. I just happened to know your dad. <laughs> 
that's it. I'd be like, you know what? I, I even if you had said that to me right out of the gate, I'd be like, you know, what? I don't blame you. No. I don't blame you. He's a much cooler guy than me. <laughs> Are you at least gonna say hi to my audience? Hello. <laughs> it's not bad. All right. Well, Kent. It's been an honor and a privilege to have you on here. My pleasure, buddy. We should have done this sooner. Like I said, it's it's. I do this all day. I think this uh, this is going to be the one year anniversary of the show episode. Oh wow! Yeah, that's how in tune with this that of what Jeez. I do that I am. I'm, I have no idea what's going on. I'm like going to get a message. What are you doing for the one year? And I'm just going to be like, uh, Ken McDonald, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, now now it's me who's honored. Wow, no, that's no. awesome. That's super it was awesome. actually on my mind when I was doing this. Like one year, I'm glad it's you that came on. Awesome. No, absolutely. I'm well. I'm glad it was me. I, cou- I, I couldn't be happier. That's gonna be. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, now I have a job for you. Uh oh. Someone has to cue the outro music. So who's gonna mutter the the magic hitted words? Well, take a that? guess. Take a guess. It's gonna be you. Oh my gosh. That's well. Hey, you know, for the first time, it's it's it'll be me saying it instead of who's ever on the stage. Absolutely, ladies and gentlemen, we have come to the end. Hit it.